we are on lovely um <laughs> good just checking uh so welcome back uh to forked theatre's podcast uh it's me lauren and we are following on uh with our final interview i say interview casual chat um a with <laughs> a little bit of a gossip with cast member of mother logs rose it's the lovely rose ladies and gentlemen sort of lovely lovely ish <laughs> Uh, so we are down uh, on the south coast. Uh, there are seagulls flying above. We can see the sea through the window. Uh, it's very exciting. Um, it is, it's, and it's a beautiful summer's day, which I really enjoy. So what a great, what a great location it's to be in. Good. Yes. Um, so as as with the others, it's just sort of a, a little chinwag, so that the audience can get to know you and, and run away, and run away, <laughs> and and not come to the show. No, joke, joking, joking. joking. Um, <laughs> So tell tell our listeners who you are. Um, a bit that was my Silla Black bit. Who you are, <laughs> where are you, love? Where'd you come from? Uh, where'd you come from? Um, okay, I'm Rose Collis. Um, I live in East Sussex. Um, originally from London, South London, South <laughs> London. Um, born and ill-bred there. Um, I'm fifty-seven, nearly fifty-eight. I'm um, a playwright, author, performer, producer speaker a bit of a show off really uh, musician singer oh i forgot that as well um this is why people hate me so much um kind of big show off and um i've lived in sussex for nearly 20 years now goodness me where's that gone um i returned to the professional stage five just over five years ago um i'll go into that a, a, bit, a bit more detail about how i got to come back to the stage um my background is not linear at all. Um, it was not on the cards for me to be doing what I'm doing mm. or any of the stuff I'm doing. A uh, bit of family background, so originally from South Wimbledon, um, the only girl and youngest child of a four-child single-parent family, well, headed by my yeah. mum. Um, we had no money, no, we didn't, so I, I got my work ethic from my mum, sort of, and I think the multitasking. Yeah. Doing three different jobs. Yeah, absolutely got that from her. Um, uh, I had a pretty good education until I was 13, and then life went a bit smelly on a number of levels, including going to a really, really bad secondary school. So um, I left school at 18 with virtually nothing to speak of and with few prospects. I mean, nobody in my family went to university or anything like that, or drama school. People got jobs. Mm. Um, One of my brothers was an apprentice a welder at 14 another one went to work for the gpo as it was then british telecom yeah. as is now um so um what i i'd always loved performing though and i could sing and i taught myself to play guitar and i've been writing songs since i was 13 so i knew somehow i wanted to do performing yeah yeah something creative but i i didn't think i wanted to go to drama school. i didn't think i was a drama it wasn't it, I, I couldn't see what where i was going to go um, and at that point, I was really more of a tune smith. Right. I wrote, you know, pop tunes. I wrote catchy things. I loved pop. So I kind of thought, well, I want to do something music, but that incorporates performing as well. But I, I didn't really know what it was. Mm. And then at, um, I think I was, I don't know, I was 17 or 18, I bought Time Out. Yes. Yeah. For the first time, which yeah. was much more radical and alternative than it, than it is now. And I discovered this thing called Fringe Theatre. Mm. And I went, that's it. That's what I want to do because mm. there were all these different things going on. I went to see my first ever show at the King's Head Theatre. Yes, yeah. Probably in about 1978, I took some friends there. 
for for my birthday. And the first show I ever saw, there was Bits of Lenny Bruce, it was called. Right. And I think it had Dennis Lawson in it. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm pretty. I've got the program still. So uh, this is just this just opened up a whole new world. And also at that time, for about fifteen, sixteen onwards, I realised I was gay, but couldn't tell anybody. Right. Yeah. So there was all that going on, and I just just felt myself not drifting away from my family, but but just kind of I I you know I would know I was a bit different, but I I was becoming more different. Yeah. And it was a case of sort of trying to find my place in the world amongst people that that had things in common with me, yeah. I guess. Understood the trajectory. Yeah, yeah really. Well, what trajectory there well, was, yeah. really. It was because, you know, I, say, I mean, I think there were only two people from the entire school that I went to that ever went to university. Just people just got jobs. Yeah. Um, and that was that was expected, and that was the tradition. So I, at 18, I came out of school with bugger all, and in a, in a very poor mental state and an emotional state. Oh, that's right. I forgot to add, at 17, my mum left home, so I ended up living on my own. That's a whole other story. Which <laughs> might, well, we might have to get that into the show somewhere, because that's just a whole... Just we'll let, save that for rehearsals. We'll save that for rehearsals and a therapy session. Um, so at 18, what happened was, I thought I knew I wanted to do music, and of course it, it was much more expensive to do then. And I thought, I need to do a demo tape, yeah, which meant hiring studio musicians. Very expensive. Yeah, People do it on the computers now. Um, so I went to secretarial college for a year. Right. And learned how to touch type. Boy, has that stood me in good stead yes. over the years. Who knew? And I went to work as a temp secretary. So that's how I supported myself. So you got some cash in. Got some cash in, made the demo tape. But then also, uh, when I was about... I came out in 79, went on my first ever gay pride march, and then through time out, discovered the Oval House Theatre. Right. Which I think has moved now from the Oval. I think it's moved to Brixton. Yeah, it's just further down the... Yeah. yeah. And... I started going to workshops, though, drama workshops, mm. and thinking, and talk about your life changed overnight, because there were a lot of gay people, there were a lot of, of I mean, it, it was an awakening, not just socially and performance-wise, but also politically. Yeah. You know, because, it, I mean, the first, people talk about intersectionality now. Well, we were doing that back then, before any academic came up with that term, mm. because we were, you know, it was about women's rights and black rights and gay rights, and yeah, we, we, yeah. we were doing all that. Yeah. Um... And and it was a real awakening, and I got to know the Brixton gay community, who, who just changed my life. Yeah. And um, I I kind of gone home. I I thought these are my, these are my people. Um, it was finding kindred spirits, socially, yeah. politically, sexually. It was just it just all that. Everything it was just everything. I was home at the age of nineteen, and I through the Oval House. I met you know it was, it was such a great thing because people could sort of. They were, they were working on creating shows together or they'd have open nights where you could do a couple of songs or a couple of sketches. and It was just, the, the, there was infinite possibilities and people were so welcoming. Mm. They were so welcoming and so encouraging. Um, and I was, it was just, I just had to be in the right place at the right time. I talked about that off, off, off microphone, about being in the right place at the right time. But I totally was. But also, I, I give myself credit, I had the courage to go and find it. It's, yeah. Because it was scary walking into, of you know, going, who are these people? Like, and it's it? so alien to anything that you would have. Uh, it was totally uh, like... alien from you know living in South Wimbledon, which was not anything like it. It was very white and very straight, and da 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 da. And so I, I, I found myself a new home and and a family, yeah. a new family, as yeah. it were. 
Um, and they accepted me and nurtured me. And I mean, boy, I mean, radical drag queens, boy, that growing up with those guys was just, it taught you to, to do stuff. You know, people didn't, didn't just sit around moaning about, oh, there's this wrong. They'd get up, they'd write a song, they'd write a sketch, they'd go on a demo, they'd make a banner, they'd produce their own newspaper. Yeah. And it was a real education. And don't just sit there whinging about stuff. Get off of your ass and do something about it. Do yeah. something creative. It might not change anything. But at least you can say you tried. And, and that was huge. Yeah. So at the age of 19, what happened was I met three other women at the Oval House. Um, and we kind of got on and we decided to just do a couple of songs and sort of loose sketches at this yeah. open night. And it sort of seemed to have worked. And someone came off afterwards and said, you should all do more of that. And I can't remember exactly how it happened, but we ended up doing a two month busking tour of Europe how in the it? summer of 1980. No plan. No transport. We just got our instruments and a rucksack and went. How amazing. I mean, life-changing experience or what? It's the first time I'd ever been abroad. Yeah. And we just went round. We went round five different countries in two months. Um, came back. And the company was called Hardware. And when we came back, two people left. There was a bit of a disagreement. And the two of us that were left decided to continue. And we got two new members. And we um, the company ran for another two years. Amazing. No funding, of course, Obviously. but we, we created a cabaret-style show. We created various things. And I, I, I wasn't a very good performer at all, but what I did, I could sing very well. I'm not a trained musician, but I could, I could, I could arrange harmonies and I could arrange the music and I wrote a lot of the tunes because mm. I was a pop star. Yeah. So we had very catchy tunes, which yeah. some companies at the time didn't. <laughs> I won't mention names, but so people people they really liked this sort of and it was political stuff but it was satirical yeah and i think people like that that there was this sort of political stuff but it had quite catchy tunes yeah 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 so that happened so that and then i you know i was involved with various sort of gay and women's companies for a couple of years after that but then by about 1985 i mean again this all sounds like it was planned but i i, I was kind of Think, I, I don't know, things weren't going right mm. and theatre was, was getting a little bit pretentious at that point and also, you know, you're kind of running out of steam mm. you know, you keep doing these things, not funding, no funding, no funding Yeah, and it takes a lot of determination it takes a lot of determination and, um, I mean, everything you know, you know, Thatcher's Britain, it was 85 um, it was just before Clause 28 but we already had eight, so the gay community was already taking a pasting Yeah, um, and then Yes, <laughs> again, it was just one of those weird things. About the summer of 85, I was kind of get, become disillusioned with performing. And I was going, well, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do next? And I was sort of doing solo stuff. Mm. I actually ended up on a live album as well with Tom Robinson and people like that. How crazy is I know, that? I know, no, no, don't. I mean, you couldn't make this career up. It's, oh, do you want to do this? Oh, yeah, come on. Um, he's a good chap, Tom. He's a good old mate. And um, City Limits magazine had started by then it was an alternative to time out yeah it had been formed by a lot of the staff from time out and they had a gay section because uh, well, i can't remember they started 82 83 right and chuck or brian kennedy ran the gay section but but they it was so poor it was a co-op and they had no money and brian was saying for years we needed we need a dyke we need a woman to do the, the, the gay women's stuff yeah. we go we can't afford it we can't afford it and then finally i mean he was paid one day a week and he was doing this enormous section all on his own one day a week. And finally they rustled up enough money to, to get the the woman co-editor. And it was advertised. And friends were saying to me, you should do this. You've got lots of connections in the community. I said, yeah, but I'm not a journalist. I don't want to be a journalist. I don't want to be a writer. Mm. <laughs> she, says, no, she says surrounded by all her books. Um, but I was absolutely, oh, all right then. 
you've never seen any more anyone more reluctant to apply <laughs> for a job. I was going, yeah, whatever. Um, and I got shortlisted and I got interviewed. And I was so lackadaisical at the interview. I was going, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I've got to go in a minute. Because I, I, well, I, I had no ambition to be a writer. Meanwhile, outside, there were people who would have given the right arm yeah. to have got an interview. Or they, they desperately wanted to join City Limits. It was the magazine to be. It was where there were so many good writers. Um, Lucy O'Brien and Penny Valentine, all the B. Campbell, all these amazing writers. And I was just like, mm, yeah, whatever. Because it wasn't an ambition. Mm. I just wanted to write pop tunes and perform. Yeah. I wasn't at all interested in, in being a writer or an author. And there were all these people that were desperate to get on the magazine. Yeah. I think it was so funny. Um, and I got offered the job. It's because you didn't want it. It's because I, I, I didn't have this burning ambition. Yeah. It's always the way. Like in auditions that you think go to, like you, that you don't particularly yeah. want, and you go in yeah. and you're sort of a bit half-hearted. You end up getting offered the job. And you're yeah. like, but I don't, oh, want but it. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. And I was kind of like, oh, all right then. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, okay, oh, bloody hell. And um, I remember there was a, a friend of mine, the late Harry Cohen, who was a journalist, and I was saying to him, Harry, I'm not a journalist. He went, you are now. Mm. I went, okay, and. So it was, I think people were spitting nails because they wanted the job so desperately. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I I was, you know, I, I, I hit the ground running because um, I could write, but I, yeah. I hadn't wanted to be a writer. No. And I I think you're dead right. That's It's like if you des- you can want something too much. Yeah. Yeah. So and other I, people can smell it. <laughs> they can smell it and they go, "Pooh, that smells." Yeah. Um, so I got the job. I was there for four years. Wow, four we, years. We got paid one day a week, and I was working an average three, four days. Then I started work writing stuff for the rest of the magazine. Then people like Gay Times and Spare Rib. Start, I started to do stuff for other people, and yeah. then I got asked to do public speaking and stuff like that. Now I'd always been interested in history and biography. That's all I'd ever read. Yeah. But I again had never wanted to be an author. No. It wasn't a burning ambition. But out of that, journalism came to books. Yeah. And again, it's it was kind of... a natural of, next step, Yeah, it, it? But, well, well, yeah, you see, you say that, but for me it wasn't, because I was going, me, write a book? Because people have been saying, for years, we should write a book. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm not an author, I'm not an author. And then uh, Castle, the publishers in 1992, I think it was, decided, because they could see there were a lot of gay subjects that weren't being mm. covered, mm. particularly non-fiction. So they said... Oh, we, we, we want ideas. I mean, if only publishing worked like this now. Okay. It was like, we want ideas. I have an idea. Oh, great. Would you like a contract? Yes, here yeah. you are. <laughs> Off you go and Here's take the idea. Bigger. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> what? So my first book came out in 1994, by which time they'd already commissioned. The only book I had wanted to write, I do tell a lie, was a biography of Nancy Spain. But again, it wasn't like a priority. It wasn't like, I must do this or I am a failure. Yeah. Um, but I got those two books commissioned by Castle. And it was really the Nancy Spain book that launched me as an author right okay because it was i was on woman's hour for the first time um i i was i did an event at the national film theater i it, it i got rave reviews but i i mean it, it cost me money to do and it, it took years to do because there was no archive right. there was no archive i had to there is now i created it but yeah. i was having to read and of course how there do you do a biography on <laughs> well there you go <laughs> With a lot of very hard work and yeah. a lot of time and a lot of patience and um, just what I call shoe leather work. I mean, of course, we live in a digital age now. Much, yeah. Okay. Ask there was Google. no email. There was no digital archives. There was nothing. I had to go to the British newspaper library and I, because Nancy Spain wrote for She Magazine, the News of the World, the Daily Express. She was on the Daily Express for years. I think I read something like 1,200 issues of the Daily Express. God. On on, on microfilm. My goodness. Um. 
several hundred copies. Of it. I mean, there, there was no other way mm. because Nancy Spain was a prolific journalist and book critic and an author herself. Mm. And you didn't know what days of the week she would appear in the newspapers or even on what page. And there was no index. Right. So, yeah, reading 1,200 copies of the Daily Express then. <laughs> yeah, spending a lot of time in archives and libraries. And, but actually, do you know what? I love it. Yeah. I love doing that. And, and when you discover something that nobody hasn't accessed before, it's so exciting. If you go into an archive or a library, you hear somebody go, yes, that'll be me. Yeah. <laughs> Getting completely overexcited. At, you know, because you, you can... And you get a kind of a sense. You, it's, like being a, it's like being part detective, part... But also being a journalist as well helped because I was sort of like, right, let's... let's You're finding the story. Finding the story. Yeah. So it all kind of came together. So... I think I've done about 12 books now. And I don't mean that to sound as blasé. It's just I don't sit there going, oh, how many books have I done now? But some of them have been my ideas. Most of them have been my ideas. Some of them I've been asked to do, but most have been my ideas. Mm. They're an enormous amount of hard work, even now in the digital age, because a lot of the stuff that I need to access isn't available online. Um, So that was that. And then we get to about 2007... And my biography of Coral Brown had just come out. And that was great. Launched at the National Theatre, sell-out event. Prunella Scales was there and Tim Lynn West. And just it was great. Started and all the rest of it. But I, I already knew at that point that publishing had changed a lot for yeah. writers like me. Uh, commissions were disappearing. Advances were receding as if they'd had been any big, any, any size before. And... I think one of my strengths is that I can think laterally. I can diversify, mm. and that's always been a strength a strength for me. But I could see a lot of authors were just going down cold sacks and going, we have to do books or nothing. Yeah. And I thought, and I think end. I can do... I'll have, sort of, so, so do the same skills, same material, but use it in a different way. So I started doing things like tours, yeah. guided tours, talks, you know, little things like that. Um, none of which paid the bills, but at least it was kind of taking me in different directions. Um, and it's getting those experiences so that you can try and piece together what it is you're going to do next. Exactly, it's that. experimenting. So, yeah, isn't it? so you you so you're sort of doing something while you're you're, you're planning what it is yeah. you're going to do next. Exactly that. So it got to about 2011, and I was not having a good time financially at all. And I was just there, there's two things that often happen with me. One's I'll get pissed off about something, and the other is I'll get bored. And when those two come together. It actually creates something quite <laughs> it, uh, something good will come out of it yeah. because the, getting angry about something energizes me, but also getting bored is like right make something happen. It goes back to that activism from yeah. all those years ago. Yeah. Don't just sit there and whinge. Don't just sit there and wait for somebody to knock on the door and commission something. Get out there and make it happen. Yeah, you've got the skills, you've got the knowledge. Just, just, just do it. And in 2011, I was going to see things at the Brighton Fringe, that things that were based on real people's lives and historical stuff. And I was sitting there getting really pissed off. I was going, this isn't very good. This just isn't. This is a waste of resources. And again, the little voice in the head went, right, don't just sit there whinging about it. You have done this before. You've performed, you've written scripts, you've written... Get up off your arse and do it. What have you got to lose? Yeah. And by that time, I'd, I'd been singing in a local gay choir, the Rainbow Chorus, so I knew the voice was still there. And I'd been, you know, pushing it and, 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 and you know, I thought, oh, it's all still there. Yeah. I'd started playing the banjo again a little bit. And I'm like, oh, that's better than it was. And it was, just do it. Yeah. Create something that you can do, that you know you can do, that, that leans on the skills that you've got now and also the skills that you had 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Which is... 
But what was really funny was, of course, all the people I, all the friends I'd met in the pre, in the twenty five years since I gave up performing the first time round, they didn't know I could do it. Oh, of course. So when I seen you before, yeah, they didn't know. They didn't even know I could sing. So when I said, to, "Oh, I'm going to do this one woman cab- musical cabaret show," they were like, "Oh God, <laughs> she's gone mad." <laughs> they were, and I, I, I was thinking, what's the matter with them? Yeah. And then, of course, I realised, I thought, oh, God, they don't know I can do it. And I'm sure some of them were watching me going, oh, my God. They were looking through yeah. the fingers, yeah, yeah, yeah. thinking, Is she... And one dear friend, I won't mention his name, but he's, oh, he's a lovely guy, and he, poor guy, he said to me, Rose, are you doing this show for therapeutic reasons? And, of course, I nearly ripped his head off. Went, when have you ever known me do anything for therapeutic reasons? I thought, but I could see why he said it. Yeah. Because people do do that. They do do shows for therapeutic reasons. I went, mm, no, not me, love. Um, but, of course, they didn't. They were worried for me because they thought I was going to fall on my ass. Yeah. And I could have yeah. quite easily. I mean, it was done with a little bit of crowdfunding. Nobody got paid. I didn't get paid. And I thought, I'll launch it at the Brighton Fringe um, and I'll, I'll write about some of these wonderful characters. I'll put some of them together. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, how are they connected? And I didn't know that they were. And I called it trouser-wearing characters. And I actually found, actually, the thing that connected them all was Brighton. But I didn't know that before I put them all together. I thought, oh, she's a good person to write about. And she, and yeah, she must be in it. He'll be in it because he's a really interesting character. With with songs yeah. that were relevant to them. And with one of them, Dougie Bing, I had the, you know, I had the script, but I thought, oh, he wrote songs, but I didn't want to do one of his songs because I didn't want to make it an impersonation. Mm. And again, the little voice went, you used to write songs. Why don't you write one about him? <laughs> I got these little voices. And I went, oh, yeah. And I did. Yeah. And I went home and wrote it in about an hour and a half. Blimey. So, so, so talk more about the, the show then. So it's, a, it's, it's called Trouser Wearing Characters. And is it it's six characters? It's four. Four. Well, I called it the one-woman show with a cast of many characters. There's four main characters, but then you get little cameos from Marlene okay. Dietrich and Vincent Price and little, just a couple of lines here and there. But it is about these four main characters, Nancy Spain, Colonel Sir Victor Barker DSO, Dougie Bing and Coral Brown. And then I, I sort of end it with a little piece about Brighton, which takes me into the final song. Nice, OK. Um, and it's it's got... It's got a bit of everything. It's got tears and laughter. And it is. It's, it's, so it's, it's six songs. I think there's about 15 character voices in it. So I'm going to sack that bloody scriptwriter. <laughs> she made life very difficult for me and I you know I, I just kind of it, I wish I could say it was really difficult to do but it wasn't it just because it was all there and so are these people that have inspired you or? these are people I've written about yeah and I mean so they have what, inspired me yeah. but, I've, but I've also you know you've got Nancy Spain who was the, who, who kind of launched my career as an author by writing about but was an inspiration um, Colonel Sir Victor Barker is just this extraordinary unusual character that that could only have Brighton connections and again I wrote a book about about them Dougie being I hadn't written a book about but I'd done a lot of research and he'd included him in my tours and Coral Brown I had written a complete biography about plus I had all these bits and pieces of of other things um so it it it, I wish I I could I I wish I could sit here honestly and say it was really difficult to do but that would be a big fat lie Hmm. um there were actually the most difficult thing was coming up with a title Oh, really? And I was lying in bed with laryngitis in the August because I started putting this together. And I went, oh, trouser-wearing character. Because the Nancy Spain book, book is called A Trouser-Wearing Character. So it was there in front of me all the time. Yeah. I was thinking, what am I going to call it? You know, and, and then uh, as, when you're not trying to think of something yeah, of when course. you're ill, yeah. it comes up, oh, that's good. Um, and I I knew that I would want to, I wanted to launch it at the, the Brighton Fringe. Yeah. And I did it at the Marlborough Theatre, who were great. And very supportive, and um, I did a, a six shows 
there to launch it and I and I, I, I was kind of ambitious for it because I thought I think I hadn't seen anybody else doing anything like it mm, mm. to be honest with you and I really haven't since in the last five years and um what was great I mean it, I always I do say that it it started at the top but it absolutely did because I, I think on the second night Lucy Norberg from Fringe Review came along loved it gave it a five star outstanding show review wow Wow, and it's had consistently good reviews. Yeah, and Matt, my original director, who was from New Zealand, um, he said he had friends that were performers and also small producers in New Zealand, and just by by bits and pieces, I did. They produced it in two big festivals in New Zealand, but I self-produced it at Sydney Mardi Gras and Adelaide Fringe. Because I was, I said to you earlier, I was going bankrupt, and I thought, well, if I'm selling the flat and clearing my debts, I might have well invest a little bit of money in taking it abroad. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> it all sounds like some grand scheme, but it was all we were just sort of feeling our way. And but I think it was very important to to take it not just outside Brighton, but I mean, I did have tape performed it all through England, but also to take it abroad where mm. it wasn't known, mm. and to to get critics abroad do you know i thought well it's okay being at home but i need to go out on my safety zone yeah my comfort zone and they loved it over there as well and um so i came back with this nice suitcase full of good reviews um and a bundle of confidence yeah um and it's still touring um thank goodness the arts council funded a regional tour of it last year um took it to 10 regional cities and towns in three and a half weeks um and i've just done it to commemorate, you know, for, for Brighton Pride, and it's it's a show that's really got legs, and I, there's still so many places I haven't taken it. Yeah, and it's a nice, technically it's a nice easy show uh, to do, and I just love doing it. I it's a, I used to be scared of the show because coming back after 25 years of not really performing, the first night I did it at Brighton, I didn't think it was possible to be so afraid and still be alive. Yeah, I was I was <laughs> seriously I was backstage going, whose bloody idea was this? God. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, that'll be my idea. I was terrified. I really because it was a risk. Yeah. And at one point, thinking, what, what? I, I, it wasn't like I thought it really was going to fail, but I knew I was risking a lot by doing it. And particularly when these friends are sitting there going, God, what's she doing? And then, of course, once they saw me do it, they went, Oh my God, you really yeah. can do it. We didn't know. And twenty-five years away as well. It's, it's a long it's, time. It's, yeah. It wasn't planned, but that's that's what happened. But I, I'm much happier. This time round, I know what I'm doing. I'm much better performer. The voice is better, which is quite funny. It's got better as I've got older. I can play better. I can write better. I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm in, not totally in control of what I'm doing, but um, it's just much better this time round. Yeah, performer. Yeah. I'm enjoying it more, and um, yeah, obviously my, with with age comes wisdom and all the rest. I mean, you still make the odd mistake and kind of go, "Oh God, I shouldn't have done that gig, or I won't work with them again." But it's okay, and um, it's, it's kind of come full circle. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know where the circle will end, and it, but it'll just keep, keep coming, going. because I, I'm certainly not going to go back off the stage again. This is it now. Mm. But also combining it with the, all the other things I do, the, the public speaking, um, hope for maybe another book, I don't know. You know. So it's, it's, it's lovely to be able to have what they would now call a portfolio career. I didn't know that's what I was creating. Yeah, no, of course you didn't. But that seems to be what I've always done. Mm. And it's combining all my skills, the writing, the researching, yeah. the editing. I think I mentioned to you on the phone that I'm a, a pretty ruthless editor of my own material. Yeah. I did sit there going, oh, that's a really nice paragraph, that mustn't go. It's like, it doesn't work, it's out. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I love a deadline. And that's the journalism that, as well. I was going to say, that would come from... I <laughs> love deadlines. Them, yeah. Bring them on. I can't, actually cannot work without deadlines. Yeah. If somebody said to me, oh, you've got this book to write, take your time, it'll never happen. No, of course not. If somebody said, you've, you've got a script typical. to write in three yeah. weeks, I'm there. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it's great this time round. And, oh, and obviously since Trouser Wearing Characters, what I've... I've it's I, I My focus is on writing about, at the moment, mm. not exclusively, but at the moment what I'm interested in is creating plays uh, and or music, you know, plays with music as well, yeah. about real-life gay-stroke feminist characters. Yeah. Or sort of LGBT-stroke feminist, you know, that, that, that yeah. spectrum. Um, because they're just, I mean... They're just so interesting, yeah. and um, it's re- what's really lovely is to is to kind of go. Well, I did this book about them. Oh, let's try writing a play about them and see how yeah. that works. And I didn't know how it was going to work, um, but the, the the arts council have been, you know, very good. Well, you know, done a lot of work on the applications, but they, ha- you know, I I got uh, a play about Nancy Spain and Gilbert Harding funded to to to, to do to rehearse reading stage. Uh, they funded my regional tour of trouser wearing. They funded my one-woman show about Clements Dane called mm. Wanting the Moon, and that is a solo play for me to perform. And um, I'm hoping to set up a regional tour for that next year. And then they funded my latest play, The Trials of Colonel Barker, which, again, is, is based on my book. Mm. And, again, we've taken that to rehearse reading stage and had very good responses. Um, and that's that was that was my that's for a cast of four, and that's my first two actor as well. Right, okay. I, I, I so was in the, up an yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I was in the re- I, I was in the rehearsal reading, but I wouldn't be in that. That's for for other people to yeah. do. Yeah. So, um, and we got a, we got that filmed. So I'm hoping to sort of in a couple try of months to that. sort of try and push that and get somebody else to take yeah. it on because it's a very interesting subject. Um, so it's again, it sounds like I'm working to some grand plan. <laughs> Uh, None and, of us, uh, but, but it absolutely isn't. It's kind of organic, and I'm making it up as I go along, yeah. really. But but I I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm nearly 58, and I've I've been around, and I've you know I've been I've, you know I've, I've worked in so many different areas now that I know what to expect. Yeah. I've got my expectations are much more realistic nowadays. That's partly with age, but it's also with experience. Yeah, of course. So somebody says, "Oh, we're going to make you know," it's like, "Oh, I don't believe them anymore." But yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, let's, let's see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, I truly didn't realistically expect to still be doing trousers wearing after five years, but people still want to see it, and I still love doing it. Yeah. Um, and Kinney Gardner, wonderful director, has, has redirected this new version of it. Um, so it's 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 another version of the show that I really yeah. love. I'm not afraid of it anymore. I used to be afraid of the show. Because it's, 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 you know, and it's like if if you're a solo performer, you're performing without a net. You're a trapeze artist up there with no net and nobody to catch you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is why a lot of actors won't do it because it terrifies them. Yeah. I know so many performers that won't go near a solo show. Yeah. Um, and Stain, the the Wanting the Moon show. I mean, that's a whole another step up because that's got no music and it's what I call proper acting. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's fifty five minutes on your own. Um, yeah. And. I struggled a little bit with it, and then I did it at Bread and Roses in September, last September. And there was just some. Uh, this is the great thing about also writing your own shows because I knew there was something there was something missing from the script that I meant I wasn't getting a handle on the part, and then the, the audience weren't quite getting it. And then I went, "Ah, oh, I know what it is." And then I just added something small to the script, and I nailed it. Yeah. I got the part. I. I I thought, yeah, that, and it changed the whole thing. And people that had seen it in the preview and then saw it in London went, 
yeah, we can we, we see. We notice the difference. Yeah, we notice the difference. You've nailed it. So that's that's great. It's it, it's and it's great because I you know you don't want to sit there going oh I know what I'm doing I know everything I've got nothing to learn I've always got something to learn yeah and I love learning stuff that's that's always what's driven me I've I'm an, a voracious reader my thirst for knowledge continues to be unabated yeah. I and mean, you can see you're surra- you're surrounded, sitting there surrounded by books. by books yeah some of which I've written some of which I haven't but it's but it's my thirst for knowledge will never cease and um I you know that I think that's a huge advantage when you be for anything yeah, yeah. um obviously when you're researching books but not just that it, was, it just came naturally to me I mean I was I was reading from when I was about three mm. apparently I taught myself to read wow um so when I went to school they didn't know what to do with me because they were <laughs> I was reading the book so quickly yeah and they went oh and, and, and it's really funny because they said to my mother um they got her over the school and I said has she does she have private tuition my mother was a cleaner and a cook <laughs> I was like probably not no she did anyway so um fascinating so you're so going back to the biography work mm. do you in order to pick the people that you pick how do you how do you decide that how, who's next and what what what's well the it'll sound pretentious but they they almost choose me mm. i don't know if people think that's ridiculous nancy spain was one of those people that had never had a biography done um and i discovered her by accident and i just thought wow what an amazing person and wanted to know more mm. and there wasn't more and when I discovered I wasn't even a journalist. And then a few years later, I was going, there's still nobody has done a book about it. And people say, you should do it. You'd be perfect. Mm. Like, oh, no, I can't write a book. You know, yeah. <laughs> that lack of confidence. But I obviously couldn't. I didn't come from an academic background. So I didn't know how to research something. But I just thought, well, OK, let's just go and find mm. the stuff. Um, so that first book, the, then, how did you come to... The very first one, yeah. Portraits to the Wall. Well, that kind of came out... There was a, a magazine called Shebang, uh, which was a lesbian magazine that lasted a couple of years. And they want... Because they knew I was interested in history. They said, would you like to do some columns about lesbian history? And I said, yeah, as long as it's not American. Ah, so it came from a, writing a column. Yeah. And then... And I thought... Well, it, but it was, you know, you're only allowed to do like 500 words. Yeah. I thought, well, some of these people are really interesting. Wouldn't it be great if I could write a bit more? And then Castle said, would you like to do a book? And I said, well, I'd like to do a chapter on each of these people. We could have a, so that's what I did. Oh, and then in, it grows, it grows, it grows. And, and, so, yeah. so, and then the next one was a full-scale biography, which was <laughs> like, so scary. Um, so it was the same skills. And then it's like the playwriting and the performing. Yeah. It's doing that and then taking it the next step. Mm. But but having, kind of knowing, oh, well, that was a mistake, or knowing what to do. I mean, I, you know, nobody told me how to write a biography. Nobody told me what the rules were. Nobody, you know, I had to find out for myself. It's about copyright and what you were allowed to quote and what you weren't. And and just keeping a note of where your sources came from and stuff like yeah, that. I just yeah. had to learn that by, by default, as it were. Um, so, and then the rest of them just kind of... I mean, Coral Brown, again, it, it seemed ridiculous that nobody had done a biography of her mm. but she was such an amazing character alan bennett wrote a play about her and a film based on her but yeah. nobody done the bloody book yeah yeah which just seemed ludicrous so that that was that was one um colonel barker again i just found a little snippet about colonel barker when i was researching nancy spain because i keep in that room next door to us there are files and files and files and files of info. Some things I've written about, some things I might write about in the future, not. But I keep, you know, subjects, people. Anything you find, anything interesting. Anything I find interesting. And it's very eclectic. Yeah. It covers everything from true crime to gay history to all sorts of things. Mm. And I keep it all there, you know. And I kept this cutting about Colonel Barker. And 
people had written articles and, and there was a chapter about Colonel Barker in a book. But again, nobody had told the whole story. Yeah. Yeah, but what happened before that trial and what happened afterwards? And he, you can't always find out the whole story. I don't no. think anybody ever knows the whole story, but I wanted to know more. Yeah. And so you, do you just follow your notes? I just you do. That's yeah. exactly what you do. You follow your instincts, and you you do get a feel. I mean, when you're you know I'm sitting in these archives, going through these newspapers, I go, I, I I don't know what I'm looking for, but I know it when I see it. When I yeah, see it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what happens. So um, yeah, they kind of they kind of find me sometimes, and other times I'll just go, that's ridiculous that it has it. This is the Clement Stain book. Now I was approached to do that book ten years ago mm. because again nobody had done it, and the the, the literary executors. Because I, I had a reputation by then. You know, I'd been on Woman's Hour three times. I did, did all this stuff. Got great reviews for whatever I did. Just doesn't convert into money because no. it's not... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah. it. But, uh, if, God, if we did it for money, huh, um, you, you, would, you wouldn't bother. But, so they approached me about it and I, I put together a proposal and they spent a year trying to get a commission and it was just like, Rose is a great writer, it's a great idea, it's a great subject, we can't get it past our marketing people. And that has actually got worse. Mm. So I've got a new literary agent who, as we speak, is trying to get, well, it's a better proposal and I've written a sample chapter as well. But it's, I, I'm trying to remain neutral about it because yeah. I know that the odds are against it. It's a crying shame. But on the other hand... No work is ever wasted. So the research I'd done on Clement Stain before, plus augmented with new research, I turned into the play. Yeah. So, so it, it just comes under another guise, doesn't it? Yeah. And the it's the diversification. It's, it's like, take what you've got, try and find another way of using it, mm. try and find another way of working with it. Um, and, and, and what I love about my this stage, this new career I've got, this career that I've had for the last five years, is people that didn't know I write books finding out about the books people that i didn't know before were finding out about that yeah. people who just knew me as an author going oh she can act oh she write play so it's a whole yeah it's a much more complete me yeah the audiences of all types are getting to know yeah. and that that's great that's a great feeling um and also now we live in a digital age and i've got a website which i maintain myself so i'm able to cop compartmentalise thing and people can sort of see what's Search going around on. And, yeah, have a look. Yeah, and people go, oh, I didn't know you wrote that. Oh, I didn't. Oh, you. And I, I've had people say to me, oh, there wasn't there a book about so and so? Yeah, it was me. Yeah, I wrote it. <laughs> Seriously, the number of times people. I mean, they're not being stupid. They just don't connect. No, they don't think authors are going to do plays and do performances no, and, and vice versa. Yeah. And why would they? Yeah. So it's actually like, oh, oh, it was you that wrote the book as well. Like, yeah. Um, that's also the great thing about writing shows based on what i've written there's no copyright problem because it's well, mine yeah, exactly. i'm not having to pay pay the rights yeah you know what and you're i mean doing. there's just there's just a wealth of material i mean there's so many plays and things that i would like to write and maybe i'll get the time to do it i don't know but yeah. the, it's there's no shortage of ideas it's the time the energy and the funding yeah yeah but i i have to say the last five years have just been an absolute blast and now i'm and now you're mother logs, which is another blast because it's working with new people, it's an all female cast, the whole mother thing. I mean, well I've already mentioned my mother several times in this conversation. And it's it's gonna be lovely to do something that I haven't had to originate. Yeah, yeah. And I'm working with other people to create something. Yeah. And it's taking me out of my comfort zone again and da 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 da. So I'm really excited about doing and it. And it's and it what is what I find interesting with you wanting to do it is that you're so used to telling other people's stories mm. that it this is an exercise in also doing that mm. in a slightly different way, but then yeah. also your own story. That's right. And it's just it's storytelling under another little yeah. 
um, yeah. you know, little branch of yeah. the umbrella. Um, so that that's going to be fascinating as well yeah, to see how absolutely. how that. I mean, I'm going into it with a complete. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I don't have no either. idea what's going to happen. But that's great. Do you know what? That's a real. You know, it's a real blast for me. It's going to be such a almost like a novelty because I'm just going right. I I don't have to dictate yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't have to do that for once. Yeah, it's really and and to work with people that I won't have met before. That's great. It's like we come yeah. on the Monday. I say, oh hi, hi. <laughs> you know. I mean, obviously, I've listened to the other podcasts, so I, yeah. I get a sense of where yeah. people are coming from and. I know, you know, what people sound like and what people look like. Yeah. And that's 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 great. That's a real challenge. And I think, particularly as you get older as a performer and a writer, is to keep the challenges coming because that keeps you fresh. It keeps you energised. It stops you getting jaundiced. It stops you getting smug. Mm. It stops you getting complacent. Um, and, and that, for me, is the way to keep your career going. Yeah, I agree. Um, constantly challenge yourself. Constant challenges, and, and that's that's great. Whether you know, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's successful or it works. Nothing is ever wasted. Nothing you ever do is wasted. And I, I say this to younger performers and writers and stuff. It, just, it doesn't matter if you don't think it worked. Mm. It won't have been wasted at some point. That is going to come in useful, whether it's experience. I mean, I've I've you know I've ended up writing plays about people that I wrote about twenty odd years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you know it's what I mean. How things come, yeah, yeah, come full yeah. circle. Yeah, and it, it just it's sometimes sometimes you have to force the pace, but a lot of times things will kind of fall into place yeah. as well, and, or you kind of go, oh yeah, I could do something about that. I mean, the Colonel Barker book. Um, other people. I mean, I did sort of give the option sell for a very small amount of money to someone else who wanted to write a play and they didn't get it produced, and someone else is doing a, a, a musical version of it, but um. At some point, I just said, you know, by this point, I was going, why don't you write a, sta- yeah. write a, write a stage version of it? Yeah. Not a musical version of it. Write your version of it. But you see, years ago, I didn't have the confidence. Mm. I know it sounds stupid because I'm, you know, the way I'm talking now. But even like three or four years ago, I didn't have the confidence. Um, and it's an entirely different beast yeah. to, to battle with. It's yeah. not, you know... Oh, adapting Bart Barker for the stage yeah. was really difficult because basically I sort of had to look at the book and go, forget about the book. Forget about including everything. Forget about being literal. Yeah. Just go completely out of your comfort zone. Just just look at it and go back over. And I, what was great, because we are surrounded in this room by archives, it's up, it's up above us, <laughs> and in the loft. And But I kept all, I keep all the source material. Mm. So there was material that I didn't include in the book. Like, there's so much newspaper coverage about the Colonel Barker trial. Yeah. But I couldn't get it all in the book, so I went through it all again. And there were bits that were in the newspaper that were in the play that weren't in the book. Yeah. So it... It's so like you can revisit and yeah, still come up with a different... it's so exciting. I can't... Well, I probably could tell you. But it's such a blast. Uh, and again, it's like, sort of, I created this book, but now I'm going to create something completely different out yeah. of it. Um, and that is so exciting. Um, really exciting yeah. to do that as a writer to, to try, you know, because I know it's, it's fine, you know, and people want to write the same books and the same plays, or whatever. That's great, and good yeah. luck to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, it's that boredom thing again that yeah. I referred to the earlier. Itchy feet. <laughs> yeah, it's like boring. Next. Yeah. So it's it's not repeating, trying not to repeat what I've done. It's like okay, well, I did I did a, a musical cabaret show for me. Or next play, I'll do I'll do that. That's a two-hander, but that'll be for somebody else. And then the next one is a solo play for me. And then this next one is a four-person, two-act play. But it just just trying to mix it up a yeah. little bit. What I do next, I don't know. No. After my I, think... I don't know. But it, it, it's just I I know I've got the resources now. And I've got the confidence to try things. Yeah. And um, whereas five years and ago, and to push yourself always. 
constantly and that's yeah and i wasn't very i wasn't very good at that for a long time um it's that whole imposter syndrome and that dated back from when i was like oh i'm not really a journalist yeah or not really an author but i don't i don't think you're the only person that would ever oh do that. it's, it's, it's so common. rampant particularly amongst women i know so yeah. many women that have felt like that yeah um i don't know god knows why but it, I, I'm much more confident now than I was even like two, three years ago. Yeah. And I have to say, I know it sounds like I'm sucking up to the Arts Council, but, but getting Arts Council funding, any funding for mm. the first time in my 50s, I can't tell you what a difference that has made. The confidence as an artist, as a woman, and as a gay woman as well. It's like it's my having, work is valued. Yeah, it's having that external body yeah. telling you. Going, Do you know what? You're fab. Yeah. Your work is of merit. Yes, it deserves funding. Yes, it deserves a wider audience. Yeah. I never dreamt it. I remember the Arts Council back in... We were trying to get Arts Council funding in about 1980. You could... They, they might deign and come and see your work. But isn't it, it was just such a different animal. I know people criticise them now, but trust me, if you'd known what they were like in 1980... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk about a different beast. I mean, really. Um, so it's come a long way. We've mm. all come a long way. Mm. Um, and it's nice to have had all that experience and first time round and, and uh, I mean I think I was you know when I was first performing I was working with people I just shouldn't have been working with but I didn't have the confidence I was very young mm. 20, 21 all that um, I just thought oh I better go along with this and I didn't enjoy a lot of it this time round I am enjoying it and yeah. I think that's the main difference and I think that comes across in the work mm. I hope so um, people seem to enjoy it and people seem to get that sense of it because if you're not enjoying it audiences are going to smell that Oh, of course. You know, they're going to go, you're not really into this, are you? Yeah. yeah. So I think, I don't, I try not to sell my audience short. I don't think I do. I think they get a lot for their money. They yeah. get a lot packed into an hour or whatever it is. Well, they so. have four characters and a load of cameos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I'm delighted to, to, to be doing Motherlog. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's going to be, you know, another journey, another challenge. But I'm totally, I mean, this is the thing, four or five years ago, I wouldn't have contacted you. Yeah. And said, oh, what about me? I just wouldn't have done it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's I've come a lot. I've come a long way in five years. But you know, it's nice if you get older because people think, oh, you get to your fifties and you're set in your ways. I've changed an awful lot in five years. Mm. Probably become a bit of a prat. Some <laughs> of my friends said, no, I oh, know it's just, but it's it's not about being arrogant. It's about confidence. And as yeah. women, we're told, oh, you know, you've got to do it. And it's you know, funny enough, I was having this conversation the other night with my uh, a friend, a male friend of mine, yeah. and saying, I I'm intrigued to. I would. I want to know if I how different I would be if I was male. If I'd had exactly yes. the same existence. Yes. But it's just being, and it is just that. And mm. I, I was trying to explain it to him, and it was like it was the, it's the fact that 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 aversion of me mm. is born out of the womb automatically. Mm. Maybe only five percent more confident, maybe. Mm. But mm. but that, that would have made all the difference. Made all the difference, yeah. and and the and the doors that get opened and the thing, and it is, and it's again, it boils down to the fact. That if you are confident, that moves you forward. Absolutely, absolutely. And you create your own opportunities, and and women, sadly, and I, and I'm victim to it as well. Yeah. I do it all the time. We all do it, and we kind of go, oh no, I don't want to try that. No, that mm. seems a bit. Oh no, mm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the right person. Mm. I'm not correct for that. And actually, we all need to have a massive, yeah. you know, fuck it moment. Yeah, and, absolutely. And go for it. And I think you know, in 2011, when I saw these shows, and that was my fuck it moment. It was like, what have you got to lose? Yeah. Yeah. You can't do any worse than this show. You've just spent 10 quid I'm going to see and you, you're sitting there seething because they're doing it so badly. Yeah. What have you got to lose? You know you can do all this stuff. Just give it a try. If it doesn't work, if you fall flat on your ass, you've lost nothing, really. Yeah. Um, you gave it a go and it didn't work. Well, 
you know, five years later, I'm still here with four shows to my name and not just writing and performing, but producing and da 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 da. Yeah. Um, doing things that I never imagined. Yeah. You know, six years ago, if you told me I'd taken, I'd have, I'd have take, I'd have toured five weeks in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. That that's I've incredible. done a regional. I mean, yeah. these, these are things that weren't on the cards. None of it was on the cards, really. So, mostly myself but with a help help and support from from friends and colleagues mm. it's been a magical absolutely magical five years and it's you know it's it's as i say but a few years ago i wouldn't have had the confidence to contact you and go i want to be in this show yeah i've got something to contribute i'd have gone oh no i couldn't possibly do that it just it's ridiculous but i i, I think it's it's you know i hope people take i hope people take heart from it the fact that you can improve your confidence if mm. you get older it doesn't have to shrink that you don't have to shrink away from challenges that that you can create new opportunities that that you know like i think 50 is the new 30 to be honest yeah, with you yeah um i mean my i think my create i think creatively my my best work has come in the last five years yeah as a writer i mean i've, I've done a couple of books and i i just think I, I'm really my writing is so much better. If I get a chance to do another book, I know it's going to be much better. You know, I mean they've all improved. I mean, none, none of them were bad, yeah. but I just know myself what I'm happy with, and because I'm a ruthless editor, so it's like, oh, well, that's no good. And I chuck that out, and yeah, um, and then and then you know, being being able to write plays, being able to write scripts, which you know, I wasn't. I wasn't, I kind of had a go at it before, but not on my own. No, you know, it always been in a group or something, and. Um, and there were advantages and disadvantages to that. It was like making room for other people. But also there were times, you know, way back when I was first performing, I thought, no, that's wrong. I know that, you know, but I didn't have the confidence to say, no, that's not good enough. Because also as well as, as being only 20 and tw- mm. 21, you don't, your opinion's not validated because you don't mm. have the wealth of experience behind it to be no. able to, to, no. to no. say, and for someone not to knock you down. Yeah. I, I, one thing I was confident about, was I knew I could sing well and I could, I could play a really mean rhythm guitar and I wrote really good tunes. Yeah. That was as far as my confidence went. I didn't have confidence about anything else, mm. about being on stage or working with other people, or you know, it was. I mean, it was pretty. It was a lot of turmoil, and we, you know, because we all had no money, so that, that adds its own pressure. Yeah, and that's course, why a lot yeah. of the groups fizzled out because yeah. there's only so much you can do on a wing and a prayer and energy and a youthful yeah. energy as well. Yeah. Um. So I, yeah, I'm just. I mean, it's. I don't kind of sit and go, no, I'm clever. Look at my books, look at my scripts. But it is nice to be able to occasionally reflect. I mean, it's like when I was putting together my CV for you, and I was going, bloody hell, has that all just happened in the last five years? Yeah, it's an incredible amount of yeah. It, it you know, because you, you so you know, but it's like you're so busy creating and moving on to the next thing, and then doing the work. You don't often get a time to sit back and reflect yeah. on what you've done. Mm. I mean, in some ways that's good because then you don't get complacent. But occasionally, I need to remind myself what you've achieved of what I've achieved yeah. in five years. Um, at a time when, as women, you know, our value in the workplace is being undermined. That you know, and particularly actresses, as you get older, you're you know, you're not supposed. To, and uh, so I'm I'm creating work. And probably writing better than I've ever done at a time when I'm not supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> and I really like that. I like queering the pitch. I like I like defying expectation. Mm, mm. And um, you know, as I say, my voice is actually the range has got wider as I've got older. Um, I've got I know what I'm doing. I, I, it's just nice. It's just nice to, to have confidence in yourself. Yeah. And to know that yeah, I know I can do this because I've done it in front of loads of audiences and it works. Yeah. So I know I'm not making a fool of myself. <laughs> Health. Yeah. Because I didn't know that. 
five, six years ago, I wasn't at all sure what the hell was going to happen. Because yeah. and also people didn't know what to expect. They went, "Well, she writes these books. What's she doing on the stage? Yeah, she's going to sing. What? She's going to play what? <laughs> they, they. And I realised what a, what a blast it must have been for them to to kind of go. She's you know they, they just they were. I think they were scared for me. Genuinely scared for me. <laughs> yeah, terrified. Probably yeah. more even more scared than I was, and I was scared enough. Yeah. But they must have been sitting there looking at me through their fingers because they absolutely. You know what it's like when people say, oh, yeah, I can sing, I'm going to go on stage and sing, and then they like, I can't really do it. Mm. But I knew I could, but I just couldn't... You hadn't done it for a long time. tell yeah. them, yeah. and there was no way of, of telling them. I said, you can, you know, you're just going to have to trust me. And, and the look of relief on their faces was so funny. It's always like that, though, it isn't it? So if you ever funny. go and see someone and you're just not... Yeah. If you've, especially if you've never seen them before, yeah. do any sort of like acting or singing, or yeah. you know, and, and you just you just will them to be good, don't you? Because yeah. if they're terrible, <laughs> what are you going to tell them in the bar you're, you're, afterwards? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you start to make up the lies yeah. and kind of do your poker face, going, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. And your nose isn't growing four foot yeah. because you're the telling them... like great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who did you last? Who did you? Yeah, yeah. the lighting. Oh, yeah. wow! Wasn't that a great musical instrument you were playing? It's like you know, it's um. So I, uh, yeah, um, it's it's. Uh, I feel pretty good about where I am, and I, you know, I get very tired. Mm. You know, it's a trust of trust. It's just sort of really annoying. It's like you sort of, you know, things are going really well, but of course you're getting older, and bits of you stop working properly, and you get, you know, your energy levels aren't brilliant. But so, you know, and then menopause comes along, and that fucks with your memory. <laughs> Oh, trust me. Oh, darling. I warn you now, really. You kind of go, what? And you think you're getting Alzheimer's or something. And they don't tell you that menopause affects your memory. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's one of the things. I'm on HRT. I'm a big fan of HRT, actually. So, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. But I, you know, life could be a lot worse. Because... I'm, not, I'm really not complaining about anything, any of the difficulties, because I'm doing things at 57 and 58 that were never ever on the cards for me mm. ever that's incredible so i hope you know i know people you know times are tough and the world's a very difficult place particularly if you're a creative artist and it's very easy to get discouraged particularly for a woman but if people can take encouragement from what's happened to me yeah keep working just keep keep working there keep, is there it, seems it just, to be this this women are creating theatre more and more and, and Camden Fringe is, is one example yeah, um, yeah. and the etc where we're going to be at there yeah. are some fantastic all female yeah. casts yeah. going and some solo shows as well yeah. and, and it is it's exciting being yeah. a part of that and, and looking through the catalogue and, and seeing mm. what's being produced yeah. and what stories are being told yeah. and that's that's, that's, the, cr- yeah. that's the important yeah. that's thing. starting to happen a bit more you are getting these unusual stories being told and I do wonder sometimes if that is because of the state of publishing mm. because people aren't commissioning the books so it's possible that people might have wanted to write books but now they're going well, 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 we'll do a play instead yeah. and I totally get that and it's sharing experiences I think um, which is one of the main th- reasons as to, as to why I wanted to produce mother logs yeah. is there i think women feel quite lonely and isolated and and it's sharing experiences and they might and no one's story is identical That's but right. there are similar yeah. things and there are things you can empathize yeah. with and you can and, and just by by voicing it you are no longer alone That's right. and i think it's very important to to keep going with that and yeah. and to keep and 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 telling stories of people from the past yeah, as well yeah. because it has resonances with what's going Absolutely. on now i mean it just you know it's it's uh i mean that's what i found as well that you'd find you know like nancy Spain who died in 64 but but was very contemporary mm. in many ways um i mean people think 
sort of Sandy Tox figure is, is an unusual figure. Nancy was way ahead of that. Yeah. You know, this this short haired, you know, sort of butch dyke basically, who yeah. sort of was was just swept everybody before her. Was a radio star, a TV star, was was a newspaper star, wrote crime novels, just just swept all before her. Uh, was a you know a, a huge favourite on Woman's Hour. Was held all all over the world on on the World Service. Um, and when she died, it was a huge huge shock. Um, and, and and the diversity of her character as well. I think that's that's what I, I there's something about all these characters that um, and again, none of this is planned. But when I look back at them and reflect on them, they all march to their own tune. Mm, mm. They didn't always get things right. I mean, Colonel Barker certainly did, get, but they they resol- remained resolutely themselves. Yeah, and that's in, and it's in. An increasingly difficult thing to be, yeah, I think, especially they, with a lot of outside pressure from the media. Yeah. And and as whether they were performers or whatever, or writers, whatever, they were absolutely themselves. They were absolutely unique. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, Nancy left school at. I mean, she went to roading, but it was an awful academic. Left school at sixteen became a sports reporter by accident mm. because she used to play hockey and lacrosse and the local paper in Newcastle said, well, we need someone to report on them. What can you do? And that's how she started. Yeah. Let's just figure that one. So again, yeah. the accidental journalist, which yeah. I went, wow. I, I, and then the books just... She, I think um, her first book was, was a reminiscence of her days as a wren. It was called Thank You, Nelson. Oh, OK. So she wrote about that and it got a great review by A.A. Mill and off she went. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Um, and then she also wrote, she was the great niece of Mrs. Beaton. Right. So she wrote the first biography of Mrs. Beaton. Oh. And then she, and later on she wrote her own cookbook, the Nancy Spain colour cookbook, which is hilarious. It's just camp. Oh, really? And full of name dropping and gossip. <laughs> a very, actually it was a very popular cookbook, but it's all peppered with name dropping. And yeah. My friend Lena Horn and yeah. my friend Marlena Dietrich likes suet puddings, you know, and, all, and it's true. Um, and that was one of the last books she did. So the and the, you know she just these frothy crime novels which were just really camp as well. Um, so the fact that these people were different and Coral Brown as an actress. I mean she started out. This is this is a story for all time. She started out being a dress designer. She she was doing design, mm. and she was working at a, a, a theatre in Melbourne. And the leading lady got sick, and they said, "Well, you know the lines. You've got to go on." And that was the acting career yeah. started. Yeah. It just, <laughs> I just couldn't make this. And I, this, there mu- I think there must be something about those people that subconsciously mm. resonates with me. Yeah. That I see something in them that somebody at the age of 17 or 18 or whatever they they were, just a twist of fate yeah. took them off on a road that they had not planned. that sliding doors yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that has certainly happened to me all throughout my life, all mm. throughout my different careers. I just love that. I love it that you don't always have to plan things. But it's also a good lesson to learn because I yeah. think we are fixated on trying to puppeteer our own yeah. lives. And actually, if you just no. sit back and let it happen, you can, you can you can initiate a few things, but you've also got to trust to fate. Yeah, fate is here. I don't believe in God or anything like that, but I believe in fate. Yeah, I do. I'm a huge believer. And and a tw- twist of fate, twist of fate have 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 set me off on roads that I would never mm. have gone down. Or I didn't even know were there. Never mm. got down. They've opened doors that I didn't even know were there. Um, taken me literally to places that I would never have gone to. No. You know, researching the books took me to America for the first time, to Australia for the first yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What were the chances? Mm. You know, I've researched some of the most famous libraries in the world. What were you know? This is someone that left school without any O levels. Yeah. So what were the chances of that happening? Yeah. Well, nil actually. Um, so it's it's exciting. You just. 
I, what I love is that I'm not never quite sure what's going to happen next. You know, three weeks ago we hadn't even spoken. No. And then we could do the show. No, no. And it's just what a blast! Yeah, it's just fantastic. So, yeah, very much looking forward to doing this show. Very much looking forward to working with you all. Hello, everybody else. Um, <laughs> no, it is. I mean, we might all hate each other by the end of it, but you know what? It doesn't matter if we do. Because you, I don't think we will, but it no. does, do you know what? It almost doesn't matter. It's like, it doesn't matter. We're going to give it a go. We're going to see what happens. And what's brilliant as well is, is the way that, because the show's so specific and it requires a certain type of person um, right. to want to come and do, yeah, yeah. you know, to work Oh, God, yes, not everybody's going to want to work to those tight deadlines. Yeah. Whereas me, I kind of go, wow, yeah, yeah. that's great. Bring and it on. Because everyone is aware of that and that's the procedure, yeah. then, it, then it becomes this nice, fantastic collective because every, it, it, although there's five of us, we're all working towards the same yeah. goal in a very short space of time. So it, it really, it, it does create um, a brilliant working environment and... Yes, no, you, you, you've totally sort of explained what happened. So, so no one can really come in and go, oh, no, I didn't know it was going to... Oh, no, we've got to do it in two... We've got to do it in a week. Oh, I didn't know... Everybody knows what, what's yeah, expected of yeah. them. And the Monday is, is, is exciting and terrifying and brilliant yeah. and wonderful. And yeah, absolutely. Everyone hits the ground running. Yeah, and um, what could be better than that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. As you think what most people could be doing, the same old, same old, same old. Yeah. And we've got a chance to create something really exciting, completely new. Yeah. We don't know what it's going to be. No. And what's great is the audience. Yeah. And when you tell audience members as well, it's like, uh, yeah, so we just met on Monday. Yeah, we met last week. Yeah. What? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything you've just seen has all been created. It didn't exist two weeks ago. Yeah, it's been done in five days and that really astounds people. It's fabulous. It's what's great things about theatre, isn't it? Yeah. That you can do that. It's, it's, and hopefully it encourages if there is somebody in that audience that's that's worried that they you know oh I've got this idea but I'm not really sure if I can do it hopefully you know there is that little element of it'll give them the impetus to just go out and do it because it's well, that's exactly what where I was to in 2011 yeah. what you kind of got this idea I don't know what it's going to be like but I think I can do it and I just you know I just yeah it just I don't know it just kind of fell into place it yeah. seemed the 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 people, the characters I included in it just seemed to... I, thought, oh, yeah. I mean, I did think about putting Clement Stain in it, but that would have made five, and it didn't seem to... It was out of balance. I thought, no, put... Again, put her to one side. Mm. Not imagining a few years later I create a show all about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's like, oh, no, I think these, these four work better. Yeah. And, of course, I hadn't... Again, I hadn't tweaked that they were all connected to Brighton. It was just complete fluke. I went, oh, actually... And what, yeah, and what a fantastic way to... It was just, so it was a really nice way, particularly I was going to launch it at the Brighton Fringe. Yeah. It was a nice way to to, to, to start it. And it, yeah, I, I, it was just, it was magic. It was, it has been magic. It continues to be magic. And doing the show last week was just fantastic, you know. Yeah. That, um, yeah, I think it's probably one of the best performances I've ever given because I just love the show now. I'm not scared of it. Yeah. I'm and exactly, it... I'm much more confident as a performer now yeah. as well than I was five years ago. Uh, I move a little bit now. Uh, but there is something quite romantic as well, I think, doing it on its fifth. Yeah, fifth it was, year it was, and doing it for, for Pride, Brian yeah, Pride. Yeah, just... it was, it was, it was, and the audience were great. Yeah. They totally got into it. Yeah, and and they they were they they were great. They were really one of the best audiences I've ever had. It was it was great. It was a real. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. So um, who knows? Well, long may it continue. Well, I hope so. I mean, as I say, it, it could still tour, and I, it's just. You know, it's like there's only so many things you can do in a day. Yes, yeah. Because I got to set the tour up and all this. But I, but I know the arts council would love me to tour it regionally. I want to tour regionally. I don't want to, you know, I want to get out there. The, yeah. the more, the better. Really, um, it's great to take it to different audiences and different demographics. 
Uh, I think people in the South East get a little bit complacent. Yeah. Uh, not everybody, but, you know, it's uh, for me, it's like I want to, you know... I, um, it's I, a bubble. It's it a is, bubble. it is, and you, you, you're not going to learn, you're not going to develop. Um, I mean, it, well, <laughs> I mean, I, as I say, again, I kind of went for the top, really, sort of, sort of started when Brighton Fringe, and less than a year later I was in, in Australia and New Zealand. So. I mean, that's amazing to that's, go that far. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's me for you. No, I'm not going to take it down the road, I'm going to take it to the other side of the world, but it yeah. was the best thing career-wise to do, mm. because I think it really showed people that I, I wasn't afraid yeah. to, to take it out there and, and to, to do it abroad that as risk, well. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, and the producers covered their costs. You know, it was it, it was... Yeah, I don't know where the audiences came from. I walked on stage. I mean, this is Auckland. I walked on stage the first night. I hadn't even spoken. I got a huge round of applause. I'm like, what? Oh, that's for me. I don't know. I don't know. It was just lovely. It was the audiences really embraced me out there, and it was, yeah, it was it was unreal. It was. Mm. I still, in fact, I still can't believe I did it. I mean, it was four and a half years ago. Does it feel I like said, somebody else. Did yeah, it, yeah, it does. Sometimes you know that whole thing about I'm living someone else's life. Sometimes mm. it does feel like that, and then that's so it's nice to be able to reflect and go, no, this is your life and you pretty much made it and yeah. so just enjoy it while you can because um i mean i'm i've got so many ghosts behind me who didn't get to live as long as i did and didn't get opportunities and i miss them all very much and i i kind of do it as tribute to them because i'm still here yeah. i'm still doing stuff and um you know they they've inspired me supported me um, including my mum. Mm. You know, my mum had the most amazing singing voice, never got a chance to use it professionally, which was the tragedy of her life. And it affected all of us. Mm. And um, so whenever things get tough or bad, I always think about the, the people I love that, that I've lost that are no longer with us and thinking they'd be really proud of me and yeah. they'd really love what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I know some of them did see some of it and... Um, so you kind of but how lovely that you're singing again as well yeah I miss that yeah. I miss that more than the performing or anything I, I really missed yeah singing and I, I can sing pretty much anything she says modestly no but it's true <laughs> I can sing choral stuff I can sing ballads I can sing sort of jazzy stuff yeah. I can, you know I can do it all Music, musicals yeah. Um, but also, I can write the songs as well. Yeah. Which uh, I mean, I was I was doing that from when I was thirteen. I was just sort of writing them in my head. It was a, it was just seemed to be there. The music was there, yeah. and I grew and up because my mum. Yeah. Well, yeah. my mum loved musicals. She used to go to Variety. She used to go to Music Hall, and we had those MFP Music for Pleasure soundtracks, which were cheap versions of the soundtracks and musicals. So I grew up knowing all the songs yeah. and, the sound, and, and some really obscure musicals which people never heard. But I would sing along to the records. Yeah. She'd, she'd sing along to them, and I'd sing along to them, and I learned all these songs. And and obviously that went in. Yeah. And yeah. then later on, I <laughs> was able to, yeah. to create. So it is. It's lovely to have to have that all being used again, all coming full circle. Um, and in, but in a way that I'm enjoying. Yeah. That's that's the. I think that's the difference. When I was performing before all those years ago, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Yeah. Which is a shame. Because it was what it was what I wanted to do, but a lot of the time I I, I wasn't enjoying it very much. Yeah. Partly, I should say, but it was partly because some of the people I was working with, I just shouldn't have worked with them. But I didn't have the confidence to say no, 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 because um, you just went along with it. Really. Yeah, of course, of course. Because uh, you, you don't know what the you don't know. I didn't know what the alternative was. I of no way was I in a position to create anything myself. It was you know, 
Um, so, uh, but that's okay. It's all experience, and it's all on the CV, and it was, it was all, you know, I learned something out of all of it, really. Well, yeah. <laughs> even if it's like, don't work with that person again. Well, yeah, even if it's learning what not to do, <laughs> yeah. that's actually, just still a lesson. That is just as important. Mm. It's like, yeah, don't do that again. Yeah. Because that didn't work. That did do that, and uh, and that's great, and that's really exciting that I'm still doing that in my fifties. You know, mm. that's that's you know, as I say, that learning never stops. When people think they know everything, trust me, folks, you don't. Yeah. There's always something you don't know. Yeah. Um, and that keeps you fresh as well. Yeah. That keeps you mentally fresh. And and I'm finding and, as well that as I'm, I, I'm interested in different things as I move yeah. through yeah. life and yeah. things that when, you know, I couldn't, like, history at school couldn't stand. Yeah. Didn't have time for it, couldn't be yeah. bothered. Now I do nothing but look back and see what happened, you know, and, 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 and it, cause it's storytelling. Absolutely. Um, it's real stories. It's real it's stories. And oh, we had a, we had know. an appalling history teacher from my secondary school. I mean, it was just he was just appalling. So the fact that I ended up becoming a historian is hilarious. Yeah, but it was because I I would go down. You didn't the library. realize you had the interest. No, I didn't. But I but I that's all I wanted to read was real real stories, history and biographies and mm. stuff like that. But I wasn't getting taught it properly at school. Mm. I didn't learn about the Holocaust until I watched the World at War mm. when I was thirteen or fourteen. I was like, what? This happened. What? Yeah. Um, we weren't taught that. School. We weren't taught any useful history at school at all. No. So I've learnt it all myself. You know, when I started work, I was able to go to W. H. Smith and buy bargain books, and so I was always at the library and always buying remainder books and stuff like that, and a lot of which I've still got. <laughs> yeah. Um, so hence <laughs> the surroundings that you find yourself in, um, and that that just that thirst for knowledge, it just, and also these odd stories. Mm. these odd quirky stories that always resonate with me I'm just yeah people that have, have, have not had linear lives or linear careers that that really interests me yeah for obvious reasons yeah so um yeah lovely stuff um <laughs> well we'll leave it there um how long have we been? Oh, over an hour. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, no, no. And we've been chatting for two I hours over lunch. Two hours over lunch. I know. We've we can't stop talking. We can't stop talking. <laughs> um, so you will uh, be able to see Rose and the other Motherlogs cast uh, in just a mere couple of weeks. <laughs> it's frightening, actually, it when is. you say that. It's the 6th of August now. So the, the 23rd to the 27th of August at the Etc. Theatre for the Camden Fringe. Uh, we hope to see you there, 6.30, and then uh, we'll see you in the pub afterwards. Hurrah! Hello! <laughs>